1: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Keto Man's Club podcast. We're excited to have you here and we've got a guest that you will not want to miss uh, today with us uh, sharing about his life, about the things that he's uh, working with, uh, his story, but also the story of some of his family members. And it's going to be uh, really eye-opening and uh, really encouraging because he is seeing some excellent uh, results uh, in his family members' lives thanks to the involvement of keto and things like that. We'll get into all of those details, but before we do, let's go ahead and review and <laughs> introduce Mike Uh, co-host uh to my virtual right i have alberto say hi how's it going everybody and to my virtual left let's talk to jim jim how's it going it is great
0: sir thank you for the intro
1: what's new uh, what is new?
0: Um, number one is I, we've talked over the last couple of weeks. I'm at a new job and I'm actually working in my office this week. No training. And, uh, we do a weekly Thursday morning, uh, staff breakfast and everybody takes turns doing that. So it is, uh, I volunteered for my first shift and, uh, just wrapped up doing a big egg, cheese, sausage, bacon, uh, breakfast casserole, if you will. So pretty much all keto for that. And, um, it's ready to throw in the oven at about six 30 tomorrow morning. So, uh, life is pretty good, man. Awesome.
1: So Alberto, how about you? Uh, w- it, it, this will have already, you know, this is going to come a lot later, but there's an important day tomorrow coming.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm turning 40, turning 40, uh, August 22nd. Woo-hoo! So, yeah, we're, we're a day ahead of schedule. By the time this comes out, yeah, it'll be good and past. But, yeah, tomorrow's my birthday. A- yep.
1: And uh, you'll be posting some pretty incredible uh, health updates on your 40th birthday, making anyone who says that you, uh, you know, only break down with age to shame because you are definitely not breaking down.
2: Yeah, I'm sure you've noticed there's been a, a severe lack of pictures of me anywhere. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of like holding back. And I was just like took, uh, taking all these progress pictures and stuff. And I'm like, nope, got to wait. You gotta wait. We gotta wait. So yeah, tomorrow uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put them out there. And I don't know. It, it's it's cool. I, I dig it. I can't. I can't hate on myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Well, um, for Chris, for me, is there
2: anything new with you?
1: Just working my tail off. More clients. More podcasts. More everything. More life. Um, I am. I've been. Really bad about uh, doing well, uh, doing well in my, my, keeping my sleep schedule up and all of that. So that's something that I've actually been trying to do better on. And part of that is just being more disciplined in doing, in getting my projects edited before, you know, 2 Mm -hmm. a.m. And so I've been working on that and getting a little better at that little by little. And so hopefully I can continue to practice that bit of uh, discipline and getting that done. And getting up uh, for my new shift at seven a.m. instead of ten a.m. Oh, uh, yeah! So it's a, a, a bit of a, a shift there as well. Um, so yeah, but you know, life in general is good, and just keeping busy and all of that. Good. Yeah.
2: Well, if you need if you need any extra energy, uh, our friends over at Liquid sent us a gag flavor of liquid, which is uh, spicy corn. Spicy. corn. Yeah, you heard that right, <laughs> spicy corn, and it. It's there. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, it, yeah.
1: Um, I, I, I've I've intentionally avoided elote uh, whenever I spent time in Mexico and things like that because I just honestly couldn't wrap my head around uh, the the corn in general because obviously I'm I, I've never been really big on corn anyway. Uh, but this was uh, but but elote, you had the chile and and especially the mayonnaise uh, and I'm going no 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 <laughs> no. Um, so that one's all yours. Um, <laughs> um, we did, we did review another one, and I and uh, myself and Jim got to try it. Uh, lemon lime, I, I believe, is what it was, and it was pretty good. How, Jim, you you thought the same, right?
0: It was um, definitely one of those. If you if you have a thing for Sprite, Seven Up, I mean that kind of ideal. It is a, a perfect option for you. Uh, very crisp. Very. I mean, it just. It, it's, it's one that if you saw it on the shelf, you would grab it. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you that, uh, to check out Amazon or Liquid's website, um, and check out the lemon lime because it's a great, uh, great drink for you.
1: Yep. And I believe by the time that we post this, the, uh, discount code will still be active. So let, uh, if, uh, it, it's open for a month starting August 20th. So if this is a, if you're listening after this, unfortunately, the discount code is expired, but, uh, the, during that month, uh, the, uh, discount code is Keto Man's Club on Amazon and you can, uh, that will get you access to the, that would get you access to uh, a ten percent off, I think. And I actually tested that, and it worked great. And I got my case in the uh, other room, and it was well needed because I was out for far too long. So, you sure you don't want spicy corn? I'm pretty sure I, I'm I'm good. Right. Just uh, checking. I'm good. They were I out. Figure of, if I
2: dump enough uh, salt and lime in here, it might bring back memories of childhood. <laughs> it probably would. Probably.
1: So let's go ahead and start out with some shout outs real quickly. I want to dedicate the, the second half or however long this, the rest of this conversation goes. Uh, I want to dedicate that to our guests. And so let's get the, uh, the shout outs, uh, going. Uh, Corey J., he has been doing some amazing things. He posted his in-body scans that he's doing prior to a competition about a weight loss competition. And in roughly, I want to say nine to 10 months, he has dropped a hundred. It's uh three thirty one to two fifty six. Uh, so 80, 80 roughly eighty pounds. That's that's a lot of poundage to drop. And he is um, just doing some pretty cool stuff with the with with uh, his. He took his his uh, body fat percentage from thirty seven to twenty percent in that time. That that's that's pretty significant. Um, he's going into a uh, a competition, which is why he was doing all of this. And so he's like, he's just challenging the, all these other people. I'm seeing them on his personal uh, feed, challenging everybody else in the competition. Hey, I I got gotcha. you. I'm 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 gonna win this thing uh, because I've actually got a pretty good prize uh, on that uh, for them. So uh, excited to see what he's gonna accomplish in this next little 45 day challenge. Uh, but he is uh, doing.
2: He's been doing great work already and
1: i wanted to call him out for that uh alberto how about you
2: so uh, i got a few actually uh first and foremost uh member and we've had him on the podcast uh, david blakeau uh, that guy looks like he got a little fire in his eyes and uh you mm-hmm. know let's continue on his training his shoulders getting better he, You can tell it looks like his uh his workouts getting more serious he's you know he's buying supportive gear to, to be able to allow himself to push a little harder and, and still be able to take care of his shoulder and it's almost like even his posts have taken a little turn in a uh, in like positive attitude, and, and and he's on he's off a chill and most definitely on to kill. And I think that that requires a little bit of notoriety. And then uh, also fellow members Eric Maz and Kyle Bell, who uh, I was working in Houston yesterday, and Kyle picked me up from the hotel, and we drove over to Eric's house and grilled up a bunch of steaks and all kinds of stuff. We just kind of sat out back with a bottle of whiskey and about three pounds worth of food, and chilled out and kind of started the birthday celebration off early. So I thought that was super cool. And I just wanted to give those guys a shout out.
1: Yeah. It looks like you guys are having some good fun. Jim, who do you got for us this week?
0: Um, I have two here. So the first one is Mark Lesney, who is a Texan as well. He is in Austin and um, he had kind of the dad bod thing going on originally. And he's been posting pictures up on a pretty regular basis over the last uh, few weeks But as of about middle of August, he was about 23 weeks in uh, to his keto transformation. We do the Transformation Tuesday photos uh, members do every week. And middle of August, 23 weeks, uh, about 50 pounds different. And uh, you can definitely see the tone up, the start of the abs. I mean, it's just an amazing transformation. So kudos to Mark uh, for doing that. And then, Chris, last week you touched on a little bit the Welcome Wednesday and mm-hmm. the new members that we had. That Or it wasn't Welcome Wednesday. I'm sorry. It was um, hitting that next level of membership and the, the submissions to go on our cover image. And um, we had so many of those. It was hard for when I was doing that to uh, get everybody included. So I I did something I don't normally do. I took the before and afters of those 40-some guys, I think. And did side-by-side images and put them in an own, their own album in the Keto Man's Club on Facebook. So, um, you know, when you see them all in a thread and then the different comments and everything, sometimes things can get lost because there's eight replies or whatever and so on. So if you go and look for the photos in the Keto Man's Club Facebook group, you'll see that uh, transformation before and after side-by-side stuff, and it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, with some of our past guests are in there, some of these guys I don't I've never really had a conversation with it all, but it's just amazing to see how great um, their experience has been with all of this.
1: Yep, very, very inspiring and challenging and encouraging um, mm-hmm. things uh, being seen there. And I think that's one of my favorite things about our group is that we don't share these before and after pics as a general. Uh, rule uh, to you know show off how good or how awesome we are. No, it, it's it's always to say, hey, look at where I started, look at where I've come, you can do it too. That's mm-hmm. really the attitude that comes across. And I really appreciate that because there's a lot of other groups that I've been involved with on Facebook, uh, that weren't necessarily keto, but, uh, you know, it's all showy or people do that on their Instagram feeds and it's all showy. And, you know, ha- look how awesome I am. And yeah, you know, you're doing great things, but you know. <laughs> But
0: But you're doing it and everybody's at a different point on the Mm, journey. So as long as you're following that yellow brick road because it's made of butter, that's a great (laughs) thing.
1: Uh, Okay, well, I think um, the last piece of business that I want to hit before we dive in for into our guest uh, is uh, just a quick reminder. Please, uh, if you get the chance to uh, make sh- first of all, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a week uh, in whatever podcast app you're on. We we are generally speaking available on every single platform. And then uh, second to that is if you get the chance to please find a way to leave a a, a rating or comment. I know that this last week, one of the things that was brought up is that if you don't have an Apple account, you can't leave a comment um, on Apple podcasts, um, which kind of stinks. But I think I've seen that there's some ability to rate on Spotify or other platforms. So if you see an option to do that, please do so. It would help us a ton to be able to get the word out and to uh, be able to share with everyone uh you know share with the world uh the awesome stories of the people that we're getting to uh to speak with um that's that's really the the reason we're here okay uh alberto you've had a little bit more time to uh actually interact with our guests today so let's go ahead and uh have you kind of do a little bit of an intro and then we'll dive right on in
2: absolutely uh he was at uh tony and uh, tony i'll let you go ahead and and Say your own last name. (laughs) (laughs) Nikolasopoulos. Uh-oh. Yeah, that. (laughs) No, uh, he was at at KetoCon. And, you know, through the wonders of the internet and Instagram, I just happened to see his picture, which was uh, low-carb. It says low-carb WF. And it's a picture of the state of Texas. And I, like, wondered to myself, like, WF? And I kind of thought about it. Like, that's got to be Wichita Falls. So I reached out to him through comments. Uh, It is Wichita Falls. I actually have an account up in Wichita Falls. So last time I was up there, you know, we're like, hey, let's uh, get together and do something because we don't know each other. And, you know, that's what people do these days. So sure enough, another person that picked me up at the hotel, went out and got some burgers, um, had a hell of a conversation. What I thought what the coolest thing was, like, we, we literally never met each other. Got back to the hotel. We just sat in his car, like, basically just chatting, for, like, I don't know, it, it felt like 20, 30 minutes because we just, like, felt like we had so much information to get back and forth to each other. And the following night, we went out again. And this time he brought his, his lovely, beautiful wife with him. Another great night, more great conversations. At that point, I was like, all right, got to have this guy on. He's got, a, he's got a ton going on. He's got a ton to talk about. So, uh, man, dude, the, the platform is yours, man. Have at it.
3: Yeah, and, and we wrecked some uh, uh, fajitas also. I, I have firsthand knowledge that Alberto actually eats chicken too. I have witnessed it. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: need a photo. We're going to put that in the group your
2: uh, photos, <laughs> totally well <laughs> Photo or video, either one is, is Chicken was but, consumed.
3: <laughs> yes, and it, it is, and it is above par chicken. It's just all there is. Um, it really was. I, I don't even know where to start because it's just kind of a tsunami of the last eight and a half years. Um, I guess I'll start Where with, are
0: you from? <laughs>
3: where are <you're> you from? <laughs> uh, I was born in San Antonio, raised in Dallas. So um, perspective-wise, we're kind of the Yankees of Texas which is why I don't have a draw, or at least I don't think I do. Um, both of my parents were educators. That's, they actually met at Our Lady of the Lakes University in San Antonio. And uh, uh, I was raised as a, as a principal's brat kid. Uh, I went to my mom's elementary school for a while. They tried to convince me to go to my dad's middle school, which there was just that was not going to happen. Uh, that was, uh, that was so not going to happen. I already, i I'm, I'm about to be 45 and people still introduce me as, Hey, this is Tony. His mom was our elementary school principal or his dad was our, our middle school principal. It's like, Oh God, guys, come on. I, I've done. No, I haven't done myself after that. <laughs> uh, so that's, uh, yeah, I, it's just kind of one of those things. Uh, both of my parents were highly educated. Um, like dad had two PhDs. Uh, mom had one, um. I was uh, dragged around to all the universities uh, locally when they were doing their uh, PhDs. Uh, My favorite library is still the Library of Texas Women's University up in Denton. That's where my parents got their uh, PhDs from. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just kind of, you know, when you hear Alzheimer's, you're like, the first thing people say is, hey, you need to be mentally active. Both of my parents, super mentally active. Uh, brilliant within their field um, taught at every level of education from elementary to collegiate level, retired as elementary school principals uh, I guess the best way to describe it is how my mom said once, she got to retire at the best job possible because she still got to be little kids hero um, it was they they retired into the neighborhood where my mom had been the principal of a local elementary school for 17 years and it was not uncommon to walk through the grocery store across from our house, and people would stop my mom, and they'd have a little kid in their grocery cart. It's like, hey, this is Dr. Polis. She was my elementary school principal when I went to Persia. And it's just like, wow, that's kind of cool. Both of my parents were obese my whole life. I have no memory of my mom not being close to or above 300 pounds, and she's only 5'3". So if you can imagine uh, what Tweety's mom looked like, uh, the little granny from the Warner Brothers cartoons. That was my mom, complete with the bun and everything Um, my whole life. Like, I just don't remember her being skinny. I have a picture of my mom being skinny with me when I was young, but no memory of that at all. Um, My dad was the same way. He was a little short, round, brown dude. Um, strong as a tank, uh, for being an academic, he was also very physical, like, Hey, if we're going to go do this, let's get off our butts and go do it. So it's like, you know, when you're old enough to push a lawnmower, you're old enough to push a lawnmower. (laughs) And that was just kind of one of those things. So they were, they were physically active. My dad died the same way my mom is dying right now. Dad had... Alzheimer's, dementia in the same kind of umbrella as dementia of the dementia umbrella. Whether it was Alzheimer's or not, I couldn't tell you. My mom let's see, dad passed away in 2007 Um, metabolically broken obese, medicated out of his mind uh, fell in the kitchen and he broke his femur, was not healthy enough to make it through rehab, went into a diabetic coma in the middle of the night um, and that was the end of dad that was 2007. Mm. Um, I came home. I'm a by profession, I'm an oil and gas and wind energy mm. landman. So I do contract negotiations for land acquisition for uh, oil fields, gas fields, exploration, uh, pipeline right of ways, electrical line right of ways, wind farms, the whole nine yards. Um, I had come back from a project to help mom, kind of resolve all the issues with dad. Make sure she was okay. I was, my wife and I were back in Dallas less than a year. And mom's like, go, go, live your life. I'm fine. So uh, I had already started working for another company doing wind farms. And we had an opportunity to move to Denver. We took that opportunity to escape Dallas. Denver is kind of like Austin, minus the mosquitoes and the live music. Um, It's a cool town. Uh, We loved it there. And then from there, we worked on another project in Uh, South Dakota and from South Dakota we worked in Michigan and then from Michigan that gets us up to about 2011 and well end of 2010 beginning of 2011 and mom started to show signs of Alzheimer's that she couldn't hide any longer and uh, we my wife came back first kind of kept an eye on her I was busy tying up loose ends on my project and I was reminding my wife that my mom was much older. My parents were older when I was born. My dad was in his 50s when I was born. My mom uh, turned 40 uh, five months after I was born. So they were older and to have a child in 74 at the age of 40 was not super common. So I was reminding my wife of that. My wife's like, no, something else is wrong. And when I got back to Dallas, you just couldn't miss it. Um, <laughs> she had a notepad where she was writing down words that she was forgetting, trying to remember them. Um, hmm. We set up a camera in the kitchen to kind of figure out what she was doing at night. And she would go into the kitchen uh, as she was starting to kind of get that diabetic crash in the middle of the night. And she'd go into the kitchen and just raid the refrigerator for anything that wasn't nailed down. Um, Uh, My wife was trying to find a teaching position in Dallas, but it's the middle of it was the middle of the school year. So she went back to Starbucks and would bring home like frozen pastries and whatnot that that hadn't sold or whatever in the day that they normally toss out. And my mom would try and fire up one of those frozen sandwiches in the middle of the night, kind of in a in a. Uh, low glucose state where she's just kind of confused couldn't figure out how to how to get it to where she could eat it because it was frozen solid um, that that was hard to watch that was really hard to watch and at the time she's she was about two hundred and eighty nine pounds um, and there's something interesting about being that size also uh, when you lose all the weight and they can finally do a, a dexa scan and all that fun stuff. They realize, you know, they're like, wow, your mother's bone density is phenomenal. How did she do that? It's like, well, she was almost or 300 pounds for three and a half decades, almost four decades. That's lifting a heavy object every day. It strengthens your bones. Um, and, you know, that was the only positive out of it. She never drank soft drinks, so that never caused any of the, the osteoporosis or anything. But she was she was a metabolic wreck, uh, by that Christmas, we had full power of attorney for her. Um, I had taken her car keys away, she was starting to play bumper cars. Um, yeah, it was just... All the stuff you hear about Alzheimer's, the, the dead giveaways, that's what we were seeing repeatedly over and over. Um, the, the final nail in the coffin when we started to actually realize we had to step up was that she was eight months behind on her mortgage. And she would write the checks. She had this beautiful wood desk. I still have the desk. And it had this drawer on the right-hand side. And she would take all the bills. She would write checks, paperclip them to the envelope that had already been done. And she'd put them at the front of the desk. Thursday, she'd go to the post office and drop everything off. And it's right next to the grocery store. She'd pick up groceries and come back home. Well, she'd forget about the stuff to go to the mail. So it's that normal little stack of envelopes was pushed all the way back to the end of that drawer. It's a three foot deep desk, three and a half foot deep desk, and I mean it was just it was crushing digging through that. Uh, it was just that was the darkest part of all of this. Well, yeah, that's that's really the darkest part of it. When we got full power of attorney uh, to take care of her, um, the first thing we did was went into the doctor, and she and my father had the same doctor for twenty some odd years. So you've got a long history of her doctor prescribing medications, realizing that she's not going to take the medications, or just kind of writing her off like most doctors do, it seems like, that, oh, you're just going to ignore my advice and, you know, not eat less and not exercise more, and you're going to get obese. And when we walked in there and sat down, her doctor laid everything out on the table, um, got us in to see a, a neurologist who was my father's neurologist as well and once we got all of the data back from everybody all the blood tests everything we sat down looked at it all and, and all the doctors agreed we had two maybe two and a half three if we were super lucky years before my mom would pass away um, she was that metabolically broke they just could not foresee how the disease and her physical health would not deteriorate beyond any sort of of saving after that and uh I said, okay, what do we need to do to get her, you know, help her out through this? We sat down with a dietitian, nutritionist. They, you know, pull out the little flip binder triangle, kind of looks like you're going in for an Amway conference, and they start explaining health and nutrition to me, and I'm taking notes furiously, and they're giving me handouts and printouts, and they give me a diet, and for the next six months, every two weeks, we're going back to the doctor's office and we're doing all kinds of stuff and checkups and and all the scheduled appointments that you wind up having when you're in your 70s in America as an obese person or somebody who is a type 2 diabetic for about 30 40 years and uh after six months of doing that, I sat down again with the dietician. Dietitian looked at all of mom's health numbers, and mom had gotten fatter and sicker faster. And the dietitian told me either she's getting food from somewhere else or you're lying, just flat out. And I've got this three-inch ring binder full of everything my mom had eaten or drank for the last six months The very diet that they gave me, pen and pencil to it. My wife is looking over my shoulder saying, hey, don't miss that. Don't miss that. We did this here and this here. And we're just we're a team in this fighting to get mom healthy. And everything that they're telling me is not working. Uh, I threw the binder away as I stormed out of the office. And uh, across the street from where we lived was a Barnes and Noble. And I, I went into Barnes and Noble. I looked at the giant wall of diet books that they all seem to have. And it's like when you start reading the titles, they're like real world clickbaits every last one. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, and I've got to stack them here in my bookcase. Um, the Weight Watchers New Complete Cookbook. Uh, another one. Uh, Juicy, How to Solve Your Health. Uh, I mean, there's just a mouth. That's all the cooking light cookbooks. Uh, and it's just, you open them, it just crushes you when you see what they what they have in Because, oh, it's just cut out the red meat. No, everything's low-fat. And uh, whatever you do, just make sure you increase your vegetables and your fruit, and everything will be better. Well, I did that, and Mom's A1C roof, I mean, it was just, it was a mess. By then, it's two thousand. 12 uh and i said i gotta do something about this i was destroyed i left the the barnes and nobles without a single book uh went home and plugged into one of my favorite audiobooks, uh the four hour work week by tim ferris and he makes like maybe a one one line comment about the often controversial ketogenic diet and i'm like Pfft, i've looked at everything else today why not And uh, I started digging into it. And the first book I found was The Art and Science of Low Carbohydrate Living by Finian Volek. And I opened the door to the rabbit hole. And I mean, I went all the way to the bottom with that, uh, with keto. Um, I'm probably 600 hours into audiobooks right now. Um, I mean, you name it. If it's an audio, I've I've probably read it at least twice. Um, the second book I, uh, I read and really, if I ever get to meet Gary Taubes, he is in so much trouble. <laughs> oh, good calories. Bad calories is 25 and a half hours long on audio. And I finished that book and three days later, I mean, less than a week, he introduced, uh, why we get fat comes out on audio. Oh, I was so angry. <laughs> oh, I was so mad. Uh, but but halfway through good calories, bad calories, I was sitting in our little library space that we had at the house in Dallas, and I've got the physical book in my lap. I've got my headphones kind of hanging around my, my neck, and my wife, Mel, steps in, and she's like, what are you doing? And uh, I said, I, I can't do this. This goes against everything I've been been taught. Like these two books – no, like, I know my science teachers. I grew up around these people. I know them. Um, like, I have a personal relationship. This is against everything they ever taught me. And Mel, being the the uh, unstoppable force that she is, she looks at me and she's, and I'm going to be a little vulgar here. I'll try and clean it up a little bit. But she says, you need to get your wired. And uh, your mom is out there and she's effing dying. You need to get this fixed now. And uh, basically tells me to get my butt in gear and uh, figure it out. So I pour myself back in good calories, bad calories. I finish it. And then after that, it's just a dominant. Um, the Big Fat Surprise, Eat the Yo, like everything that you could imagine. I've got the Paleo Solution here. I've got Keto Clarity, Cholesterol Clarity. Uh, I've even got Dave Asbury's The Bulletproof Diet, Abel James's Wild Diet. Like anything that put fat in front, I started reading um, I've got uh, uh, Wilson's uh, ketogenic Bible. Um, I've got uh, Maria Emmerich is like crack. I've got I think all of her cookbooks. Um, and then from there, it's Amy Berger's book, um, The Alzheimer's Antidote. I've got Mary Newport's book. Uh, what if there was your Alzheimer's? What if there were. Dale Bredesen's The End of Alzheimer's. Um, I've I've got all of these books that I just started going to, and and I even read the ones by the uh, it's a husband and wife doctor team, and I can't can't remember their name um, largely because I just I I read the book and I'm like nope that's not going to work because I've already I've already done that that didn't work it's just more of the same um, and it's just I started working on it slowly but surely I started shifting mom's diet I couldn't just yanked the rug out from underneath her. Um, not because I, I, I wanted, to, didn't want to, you know, I wasn't trying to sell myself on anything magical that like, you know, the, the kind of used car salesman uh, uh, justification that we, we tend to find ourselves in trying to negotiate for that extra Snickers bar or whatever our, our vice is, if it's cheeseburgers or whatever. I, it wasn't because of that. It was that mom was just a metabolic wreck. And I just didn't want to jerk the rug out from her. Uh, By 2012, or excuse me, 2014, so two years later, uh, we had taken mom into the doctor. We had already divorced all of her doctors, gotten a new set of doctors. They tried to sabotage us the same way with, oh, no, she needs to drink Gatorade, and she needs to drink Insure twice a day. And they're just garbage in 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 a can. I mean that's just no way to put it. When you look at the uh, when you look at the ingredients on the back of an Ensure bottle, it's just pure garbage. I mean it's just carbohydrate, just sugar. I think the first three ingredients are sugar in some one of its many forms. Uh, by 2014, and I just happen to have the paperwork here. Uh, mom's uh, let's see, Mom's A1C was sitting at 5.1. Uh, her where is it? A1C was 5.1 and her fasting glucose was 94. Um and that was drinking a a almond smoothie, almond milk smoothie every morning, which that's gone by the wayside and everything gets better after that. But like I there was just nothing left in her blood work to justify it. Her total or well her uh let's see where the triglycerides. Triglycerides were on here somewhere, her her uh, triglycerides were sitting at a forty-eight. Uh, total cholesterol was a one ninety. Um, without any medication, they, we'd already pulled her off. as As everything was coming down, we started pulling medication. She was on nine different medications. We started this as well. Um, we're talking statin. We're talking blood pressure medication. We're talking medications to compensate for the side effects of the medications taking to lower her. Blood pressure and her her cholesterol. I mean, it's just a domino, cascading domino effect of medications. And once you target one of the big ones, it solves that. And then the other medications just fall by the wayside. And there's no reason to keep them. Um, it's it just as the medications were being pulled, she was getting better, which... Within Alzheimer's, they're so heavily medicated. Oh, man, they're so heavily medicated. Because everybody, almost everybody goes into an 85%-ish, if not more, that go into Alzheimer's, are going into Alzheimer's as type 2 diabetics, prolonged type 2 diabetics. And, I mean, the crazy things you see them on uh, that, that compensates for these things, uh, Crestor, Nememda, uh, Zoloft. Uh, Ativan uh, Denepazil and Aricept are are pretty much the same thing Uh, Risprezidone, I think I said that one right I mean it's just that's just a sample of some of the stuff that they have them on and man, once you can start pulling them off of these things and the justification, they seem to get better. And their their moments of lucidity or stable uh, cognitive abilities and mood are prolonged and their, their cognitive drops are smaller. Um, mom's been in a state of nutritional ketosis for... Probably eight years now, uh, if not longer, once we once we figured the diet out, once we got rid of the stuff that just wasn't necessary. Once we got her metabolic health, the best part about all of that is she shaved off one hundred and fifty pounds. Wow. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And that's here's the here's the funny part about that. Uh, They were worried uh, that she was not going to be eating enough. And I was making her four meals a day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, wow. yeah that's yeah she's eating she was eating four meals a day at the time and uh she was just because we were we were working within the parameters kind of set up for somebody who is metabolically unhealthy like Finian and Volick and uh dr feck uh those guys were were working with and kind of their guidance it's like yeah let's do this and it worked it worked great um i mean and we're talking somebody who is not active now the downside with this is you really have to pay attention to it because mom continued to lose weight because we we figured out how to lose the weight we had figured out at what point we need to hit maintenance and you know we're talking 2012 2013 2014 um i'm i'm busy taking care of mom I, I am not a big fan of, of advice from the internet. I, I like using it like, hey, go read this book. This is my idea of what this book meant and did. But I'm not taking medical advice from the internet. And and it was still, it just still hadn't blown up like it has now at that time. So it's, you're wandering in a forest with no, no pathways cut in it. So we're trying to figure it out. Uh, there was no Dr. Ken Berry at the time on the internet. The closest thing we had was basically Jimmy Moore and uh, I think the very early, uh, hinkling that, uh, keto evangelist was coming was about this time period. I think what, 2015 mm-hmm. sounds right. Um, but I was, I was so busy taking care of mom and maintaining with mom and trying to figure it out. I didn't, I didn't have time to break away from that. Um, and we just kept, we just kept doing it, tweaking into, um, adding things in, pulling things out. Um, 2017-ish? Yeah, 2017. Yeah, About 2017, maybe end of 2016, um, I start watching Danny Vega's stuff and I guess he's about 17, he starts talking about Carnivore. I'm like, okay, I want to see what this looks like. And I start playing with Carnivore myself. Uh, 2016, I catch a side profile of myself uh, in our favorite restaurant in Dallas as I'm walking out through the bar and I'm like 312 pounds because... I'm stress eating and I drink like a fish when I get a chance. And I'm like, I'm not going out like my parents. Uh, -uh. um, and that we were starting to take care of ourselves. My wife had put on, uh, more weight than she'd ever wanted to. Um, and we started to take care of ourselves over 16 and 17. We shave off. I shave off 75 pounds. She shaves off 35 pounds while still managing the stress of mom. Who's already lost all this weight. Um, and we, I start playing with carnivore. And I'm loving it. I fall in love with it. Uh, like Alberto knows and has recognized, the longer you're, you do keto, you start to kind of lean, some, some of us, I should say, start to kind of lean over like, I don't really need this. I feel better without this. Or oh, I feel better without this. Next thing you know, you're sitting there and you've got this ridiculously huge steak on your plate. And that's it. And, uh, yeah, that's, it's been great. And then we started to slide mom into carnivore. And when I started to do that, uh, I was starting to hear about uh, paleomedicina out of uh, what Hungary and kind of dabbling in some of the talks that they had had that were posted on YouTube and various people discussing their, their technique. And it's super high in fat, moderate protein. And I'm like, all right, let's try this with mom. And uh, April of 2018... So let me back up, I'm sorry. So 2016, 2017, I guess 2017, my wife and I made an agreement when we started to take care of mom that when she no longer recognized us and no longer recognized her house, we would sell it and we would, we would move. Um, and at that point for Mother's Day of 2016, mom no longer knows who I am. That was my Mother's Day gift, was that mom no longer knew who I was. And I say that that was my Mother's Day gift because that was actually when we realized she didn't know. But also it took the burden off me of being her son. And now all I have to focus on is being her caregiver. And that's that stress dynamic helped so much. Uh, that alone, I think, probably relieved most of the stress I was feeling, as well as guilt and anxiety, which there's a, there's a whole bunch of that as a caregiver. Um, so... Early 2018, we sell our, our home in Dallas, and we pack up and move 100 miles west to Wichita Falls in April of 2018. And one of the first things they tell you when you move an Alzheimer's patient is they're going to tank, you're going to have all kinds of issues, it's not going to be easy, it's going to be terrible, and it, it may or may not get better, most of the time it doesn't. Mom's already full carnivore at this time, loving it. Um, her numbers are are are. I would hesitate to say better than they were than 2014, because there's some things the doctors freak out, as we know from carnivore, but the important stuff, her triglycerides, her A1C, all of that stuff is solid and they're happy. Um, And it's it's as good as it was in 2014. So, we move out to Wichita Falls, she's carnivore, and she starts to blossom. Um, Which shouldn't happen. Yeah, which shouldn't happen at all. Like, she shouldn't be She starts pulling words back into her vocabulary that have been gone for the last couple of years. Um, uh, One example is we're at the dining room table. One of the cats walks by and gets sick. She's got a hairball. She gets sick. My mom looks down and says, oh, no, she's sick. At this point, we're seven and a half years. Yes, that was last year. So we're seven and a half years into Alzheimer's, or seven and a half years into a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. And she's making current and contextually appropriate comments in complete sentences from somebody who hasn't been able to do that in over two, three years at that point. Um, And it was just like, I don't, wow. (laughs) And this, now... Mind you, this isn't just diet. We engage on a whole series of other things that help with this as well. The, the linchpin for all of it is diet. Getting her metabolically healthy was the first step, and then everything else is just a plus one added to it. Um, but she's adding more words constantly. For a while there, she went through a phase where it was like living with Groot. Instead of I am Groot, every, everything was there right there for like six months. Um, And now when she leaves the bathroom, it's like, hey, don't forget to turn off the light. She goes, yes, sir. And she'll turn the light off and she'll walk out of the bathroom and I'll say, hey, you need to go with Melissa uh, and go watch TV. And she'll say she'll look at me and say, yes, sir. Not down at the ground, but up at me. Yes, sir. She'll take a couple of steps. And if she doesn't say it beforehand, she'll stop, turn back and look at me and say, thank you. And then walk down the hallway. That hasn't ever happened before. This A- after she started to to get into the the, I guess the twenty fifteen ish kind of full on Alzheimer's, not recognizing people. But that's not supposed to happen in that order. She's supposed to go. She's supposed to degenerate, and she's not. I'm not saying we're curing Alzheimer's, but we're we're having better access to to memory and social skills and things of that nature. We don't. We don't have outbursts. We don't have uh, traditional sundowning like a lot of people do. Um, I I wouldn't necessarily say that what she suffers from is sundowning. I I would say that because of the way the Alzheimer's mind perceives darkness or anything dark, it's a depth perception issue. So anything that's if she's in a car and it's dark outside, anything outside of the car is just this big black void and and it induces anxiety. And uh, like, like if there's a shadow on the ground or if there's a blue stripe in a handicap zone, she will try and step over that as if it's three-dimensional because she can't discern the depth of that anymore. We manage that with uh, light control in the house. LED lights are phenomenal. Uh, our hallway light is a bright white light, so it flattens out our hardwood floors, so they look very flat to her. Um, her bedroom has an overhead white light. Also, it has lamps that are soft white. So when we're staging her down in the evenings, like we were discussing before we went live with this, she'll, she'll, uh, she'll eat dinner between 7 and 8, and then from 8 to 9, she'll have music therapy in her room with the blinds closed, the soft white lights on, the overhead light is off, the bright white, and she'll start to mentally wind down, and and the brain will start to, to slow down like we all should be before bed. And she'll do that. She'll do music therapy. We've got a a playlist of just nothing but classic uh, swing music. So it's Count Basie, Benny Goodman, um, uh, Glenn Miller. And she just sings along, has a blast. Um, She wears UVB blocking glasses all throughout the day in the house to manage cortisol levels. That's theoretically my guess is that's probably why we don't have the outbursts why we don't have the issues is that she doesn't have ramped up one of the the side effects you see with heightened levels of cortisol is anxiety she just doesn't have that um as well as we know from from people on the on the um Facebook group, you know, you see one, you'll see two, three, four, and it's just like a domino effect of people who are like, oh yeah, uh, my bipolar disorder is just gone, non existence. Um, You know, my depression is gone, my anxiety is under control. We're seeing all of these things in my mom. Like, they're they're just, you know, you can kind of overlap everything that Carrie Brown talks about with anxiety and bipolar and stuff that into every single Alzheimer's patient you meet or dementia patient as they progress through the disease. And the, the status quo diet, the standard American diet and our standard of care doesn't want to account for or acknowledge that diet plays a big part in this. Um, cortisol levels play a big part in this, uh, particularly with, with respect to, to controlling and managing those levels uh and that's one of the things we engage uh from the beginning we engaged um with uh, um autism techniques for life skills, and, and actually working with an, a dementia patient on the autism scale is a, a phenomenal way to, to help them out. And it's kind of a built-in structure. So within autism, you've got high functioning, and then you've got all the way down to low functioning. If you start out working with skills at the high functioning level and scale down as they are progressing through the disease, they retain better, I, I think you know, experiment of one, Uh, I think that works better long term for them, but it needs to be wrapped in with everything else that we're doing. Um, So it's the it's the cortisol levels. It's the music therapy. It's the it's the diet and nutrition. Um, A while back, we realized that that mom is this is the other great part about carnivore. My mom is physically strong. For being a teeny tiny little 126 pound, uh, five foot three woman with Alzheimer's, she is unbelievably strong because she gets plenty of protein, real bioavailable protein in her diet every single day. And I mean to tell you, if if she needs help getting up and you put your hand out, who. She will grab a hold of you, and she ain't letting go it's it's one of those things uh uh-uh, you're riding the you're riding the thunder here and uh and she could pull herself. She can pull herself up off of the bed if she needs to. Getting her in and out of a car, she can lift herself up and position herself inside of the car. We've got a little teeny tiny Kia Soul that's kind of her her buggy that we drive her around in. And she has no problem getting in and out of that thing whatsoever. Uh, I made a miscalculation when we bought it, though. It's got a black interior. Should have been a beige interior so she could see everything better. But beyond that, man, she is physically strong. Again, part of the nutrition, part of the diet. We're not seeing any decreases in that. Um, She's not as active as I would like her to be. So we try and get her out. Socializing in public, Um, the place where Alberto and I went to eat the first time, uh, Back Porch, that's one of my mom's favorite restaurants. It's crowded and loud during a lunch hour or dinner rush, and taking an Alzheimer's patient into there is not something you would want to do. My mom loves it. Um, she just has a blast in there. She, she just enjoys it. And then what we ate, uh, which is a, it's a basically their double cheese, bacon cheeseburger. We ditch the bun, add avocado and two, uh, two, uh, sunny side up eggs on top of it. Um, that's what we had for dinner. And that's what mom eats. And she will wreck it. And these are not little bitty hamburgers.
2: No, they're, uh, they're a good size for sure. Yeah. And there's, there's
3: so much fat on that. Um, Then her other restaurant that she loves is Texas Roadhouse. It's pretty much the only steakhouse we have in town. And if you've ever been in a Texas Roadhouse, they are loud. Uh, even when nobody's in there, the music's cranked up. Yep. Mom loves it. In fact, we've got a set of uh, waiters and waitresses that have waited on us enough times that they'll stop by, even if they're not waiting on us. Throw an arm around mom and, and ask, how are you doing, mom? And she's just happy as could be to see them. She'll, she'll watch people in there all day. She loves it. And I, I will tell you, mom will wreck a 20-ounce bone-in ribeye. you got to cut it for her now because she doesn't quite know how to use the fork and a knife together. But she will wreck a 20-ounce bone-in ribeye. Um, that's going to get quite it, it the reaction, never fails, or probably so. not anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, well actually, you know, from the wait staff, they thought we were crazy when we started. They get it now, but invariably, you know, every other time, maybe every third time we go in there, someone always leans over from another table and is like, is that all she's going to eat? Yeah, dude, that's a 1,200-calorie steak. You should have seen what she had for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you just ate the same thing with a loaded baked potato, a whole basket of of honey butter rolls, and, and mac and cheese and four sweet teas. You ate all of today's calories and tomorrow's calories you know and i won't yes. even get into any of the other stuff you ate and that's that's kind of one of those things when people sit back and they i watched an entire table sit back and stare at everything on their on their table and you could feel them just kind of like oh my god we did that um and that's it was actually Texas roadhouse why we started low-carb wF uh, we watched a couple where the husband could barely get out of a booth and then he had to help his wife out of the booth and i have I have memories of watching my parents like that. And I'm like, I, I love this little town. It is This is such a great little place. I don't want anybody to go like my parents. I don't want anybody to suffer like my parents. Um, my dad's last several years were just miserable. I mean, it was just, it was tough. And I always kind of stayed close to my family, my parents, because I knew from a really young age uh, that my parents were so much older than everybody else's. I mean, my dad was basically everybody's granddad when I was born. Um, he was a World War II vet. All of my friends' dads were like Vietnam vets. Um, and, you know, it, it, that had always kind of hung around in, in kind of my, the back of my mind. I, like Dr. Barry, <laughs> he's about to be 50, if not already. You know that my dad was in his fifties when I was born, and that's at some point. You're as a little kid, you're laying in bed and you're counting how old you'll be at a certain age. My my point of contact was the year two thousand. That was always fascinating, and I'm counting how old I'd be and how old my dad would be. I mean, my dad uh, he was 50, 52 when I was born, so he was seventy when I graduated high school. As a senior in high school, my dad was seventy. And the crazy part is he was physically active still. Like he wasn't running and jumping and playing. But my dad could get in there with the rest of us in football and, and you know, lift heavy objects. Like that wasn't uncommon for my dad to do. His forearms were the size of my calves when I was in high school. Um, I made the mistake of back talking my dad once when I was 15. Once. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it was kind of one of those things. It's like, oh, I, if I'm going to do that, I need to do that in another county. Because that's not safe to be in the same county dad's in and talk back to him. And, uh, you know, to see my dad shrivel because of, of type 2 diabetes, like decades of that, uh, when it was time to take care of my mom, I was like, we're not going to do that again. Like, I, I sat down and had the, I had the long talk with my wife, like, hey, this is where we're at. Um, and this is going to be horrible and miserable my wife came into my life as my dad had already uh, been diagnosed with uh, dementia and was already starting to to diminish away. And she never got to know my dad before that. But she got to know my mom before that. And my mom had told her many times, joking, well, maybe only half joking, if you guys ever get divorced, he goes and you stay. So my mom always wanted a daughter. And uh, I think my wife is, is who she fell in love with. And my wife has been so wonderful taking care of my mom and dedicated to her. We were fortunate, um, way personal, just going to overshare like all Greeks do. We had managed to screw up our marriage at the beginning. Instead of waiting 20 or 30 years to screw up our marriage, we screwed it up within the first three years. And... um both of us screwed it up i i am nowhere anywhere close to being the same jackass that i was when i got married and that's a good thing um and we put ourselves back together um and it was a long drawn-out fight for both of us um because we both screwed up pretty substantially and we we weren't gonna (sighs) we are fiercely loyal to each other um now more so than ever and we weren't going to throw that away. Even then, we were still, still pretty loyal to one another, but we found our way back together. Um, I'm Greek Orthodox, but I had put my faith on a shelf for most of my adult life at that point. Um, I just, I got out and I lived, I made bad choices about the people I associated with as people told me not to associate with them. And on the surface, they look like great people, but my folks knew and other people in my life who I should have listened to more knew better. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, they're great people. I you know, and no, I, I made bad choices and I, I went down the wrong path. Uh, my wife was the same way. And we kind of we fought to put it back together in uh, 2012. She decided uh, we got married in 2006, 2012. She decided she wanted to convert to, to orthodoxy. And when she was doing that, because she had she had been raised Methodist and she felt that she was missing something. And when she did that, she drug me back in. And that moment helped solidify our foundation because all of this is happening in that first two to four years of taking care of mom when everything is still hard. And that helped build a foundation to for us as things continue to get harder. And that's another issue that is super difficult with Alzheimer's is... This only gets harder. It never gets easier. And it's every day on, no days off. Um, you either fight it tooth and nail or it eats you alive. And, I, you know, I got to admit, the stress is always there. I always know it's there. But I, what we've done with my mom... <laughs> Uh, we were. We actually had a doctor's appointment today with mom and we we front load everything. So if her appointment is on Wednesday, on Monday morning, or I prefer Monday midday or afternoon, we'll go in and get mom's blood work done. So on Wednesday, it's ready. Because again, we live in a small town. It's ready on Wednesday. And her doctor and I and, and Mel can sit down and discuss everything that's going on with mom. And those appointments are 15 minutes long. And it's not because she's rushing to get us out of there. It's because mom is so healthy and great right now that there's no – like we spend more time joking and and talking about all the funny things mom is doing than than actually discussing what's going on with mom because she looks at everything. She's like, she's a rock star. Like flat out. Her doctor said, yeah, your mom's a rock star today. She's awesome. And I mean it's just – it's great. It, that is ju- I could justify a 15-minute doctor's appointment at that point. We, we only see the doctor twice a year, her, her uh, primary care physician, because we don't need to see her more than that because she's healthy. Now, granted, as a woman in America, if you're obese for three, four decades almost – one of their favorite things to do is say, "Hey, you've got a thyroid issue. Let's nuke your thyroid." So mom has no thyroid. Mm-hmm. So we have to go in every six months to get her her thyroid levels checked and make sure that's okay. And then she's also on a um, on a low grade. Uh, she's on Zeralta right now for uh, blood clots. She has a knee replacement. And, you know, every decade after you've had a joint replaced, as you age, your odds of developing a a blood clot in that area go up Um, because, you know, you're you're usually getting a joint replacement because you're old and fat. Let's just be honest. And uh, that was the case for my mom. And she developed a blood clot behind her knee. That resolved. But she's got arterial fibrillation, again, not uncommon in somebody her age. 84 now with Alzheimer's and dementia and you've got a choice of going on um beta blockers and another drug and I don't remember what the the other drug is the issue with it is they kind of need to go hand in hand you just can't put a dementia patient on a beta blocker the overwhelming majority of them it just it just messes them up um emotionally cognitively it just it it just doesn't work and there's a There's a growing body of research out there pointing to this just not being a good combination. And she was on a beta blocker for about a month uh, with the other medication. We're like, no, we can't do this. And her cardiologist is great out here. And we all looked at it. And uh, his physician's assistant was the first one who who agreed with me on that going, yeah, I've got the research. I've seen it. We can't do this anymore. So we pulled her off that. But we can manage the AFib with the blood thinner that she had already previously been on. It's just... It's one of those things. If she had a thyroid and no AFib, she wouldn't be on any medication right now at all. She doesn't even take Alzheimer's medication because there's just no need for it. And when she was on the Alzheimer's medication, yeah, well, and when she was on the Alzheimer's medication, that was horrible um, because she was having hallucinations and she was having night terrors. And it's just like, nope, we can't keep doing this. So we pulled her off of that and and her sleep got better. And, and that's the other thing is the only reason I know th- any of this about her sleep is because she wears a Fitbit. I have <laughs> – we track everything that we can track with mom at the house. So she's been wearing an 8 uh, – a Fitbit for several years now. She – every time during the day, during her waking times, um, every hour on the hour, she goes to the bathroom. Um, when we get back, we run what we call her numbers and that's, we have a, a blood pressure cuff and we run her blood pressure. Uh, we check the, the, uh, heart monitor, uh, f- her heart rate monitor on her Fitbit. Um, we've got an O2, the little finger sensor for heart rate and O2 to cross reference with the Fitbit and with the, uh, cuff. And you know, it takes us two minutes to do all of that when she gets back from the bathroom. Um, and uh, we've got tracking. I can see how she sleeps at night. I can see her heart rate at night. What's crazy is we can get in the car right now, well not right now, but like say tomorrow we had something going on in Dallas that we wanted to go see. Since it's summertime, our days are a little bit longer. We'll get up when the sun gets up, we'll get mom up, we'll feed her breakfast. We'll all get into the car and we'll head two hours east to Dallas. We'll all enjoy Dallas doing whatever we're doing in Dallas. And then we'll leave Dallas 4 or 5 o'clock so we can get in before the sun goes down. And as long as the sun's up, the only time, the last time we were in Dallas, my mom's heart rate peaked at 90. And that was in rush hour traffic in Dallas. I wish my heart rate was that low in rush hour traffic <laughs> in Dallas. And the, and the whole time we're in traffic in Dallas, mom's looking at the 18 wheelers like, "Ooh, that's a big one. And, you know, she looks at the color of the cars and she's like, that's an ugly one. And I'm like, that's the same car you're in right now. Come on, lady. But, it's, you know, it's, it's things like that that she's interacting and she's not upset and she's, she doesn't have any anxiety. You know, it's 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 phenomenal uh what's what's going on with mom right now um and she's she's kind of a stable rock um there there are some funny things there's a lot of funny things we try and go grocery shopping twice a week with mom again just to get her out and active um sam's is great but we got to steer clear of the samples cuz they're all carbs
2: mm-hmm.
3: and she just doesn't eat that way anymore and she gets so excited it's like nope um, and, and she kind of hates it like a workout because she knows when she gets the cart, because the cart becomes a glorified walker, that the longer we're in there, like I'll start putting stuff in the cart and she starts to give me a look, like a dirty look, every time I put something else in the cart because the cart's getting heavier and she's got to push it. And she's not happy about that. Um but but also we'll go to the grocery store her favorite aisle is the cereal aisle she has she doesn't want anything to eat in the cereal aisle but it's all the pretty colors on the cereal aisle it's the same psychology for why they make the boxes look like that to attract little kids she likes the colors and she'll sit there a box of tricks will keep her entertained for an hour she looks at it like a piece of artwork and she's just happy as can be um the other thing is sometimes she's got a little walker scooter, you know, the little ones with the brakes on them. If we need to go to Home Depot, she'll go with us to Home Depot. I get now why parents put their kids on those little backpacks with the bungee cords. <laughs> if you don't keep an eye on mom, boom, she's gone looking at something else down an aisle she's got speed like you wouldn't imagine and and when, <laughs> when she gets tired she just spins that cart around and sits down and waits for us to catch up it's like Willie really? come on now but yeah um, you know we don't let her get too far away from us but I get that I get it now because she is fast um we'll go walk around the mall um our mall is teeny tiny so um we kind of have to pre-plan our, our bathroom breaks but yeah she'll, she'll do a lap in the, the mall um we kind of have a centrally located, uh, not really a food court, but it's got a couple of cookie stands in the middle and, uh, she'll get close to the cookie stands and you actually have to slow her down. It's like, no, no, we're not going to the cookie stand. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's physically a rock star. I mean, she's amazing. Um, yeah, there's just so much that we do with mob. It's, it's kind of
2: hard to compress everything down. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. it seems and like then, you, you almost, you're almost like writing a, a guide you know man and I'm and, and um, I know you're, you're you guys are super active in the community and like and what are your intentions with with all this information you, and I know you're already doing stuff but like talk about what yeah. your intentions are with all this information you've gathered all this evidence that you've gathered and what you know what are you going to do with it you're not you and your wife are not telling people to just sit still and be like hey check out what we figured out we're gonna keep it to ourselves but
3: my my wife is is looking at me right now trying to figure out what she could poke me with try and get me moving um so we've got something that we're working on on instagram because i I, uh, i'm old enough to remember what bulletin board systems devolved into early in the early days late 80s early 90s and forums after that and facebook is great and it's neat and it's Seeing how the the Keto Man's Club works is so different than – and I think it's because of the moderators and admins. Brown-nosing here a little bit. Um, but y'all do a better <laughs> job of letting it – not letting it degrade into just kind of a monkey poop fight at the zoo. Um, and uh, I think what we really want to kind of do is lean on Instagram um, and uh, maybe at some point uh, YouTube – there's a there's a, a a hesitation that I have that you know, if you're Sean Baker has kinda of hinted at this every once in a while that that as you come out and talk about being a carnivore or keto, people wanna to, wanna to call in child protective services on you. Um And they think that's okay and justifiable. It's why I I spend so much time with my mom's records and keeping them handy because I've had adult protective services called on me. Um, Because of where my mom lived in Dallas was a a duplex inside of a condominium community. And everybody knew my mom. She had been the, the HOA president for several years and they had only known her as a morbidly obese woman. And within, you know, it took me about two years to shave all that weight off of her and they called Adult Protective Services telling them that I was starving mom to death and yeah and that's kind of one of those things that that's the minutes you know I knew from the beginning that when we started to work with her dieting she was starting to show signs of metabolically getting healthy and start to shave off some of that weight um I knew that, that at some point, Adult Protective Services would be called. Uh, my wife and I had long discussions about that way before they ever showed up. And uh, one afternoon, a really nice agent from uh, Dallas Adult Protective Services, Dallas County Adult Protective Services, knocked on my door. And I said, oh, Adult Protective Services, come on in, uh, which is something you never, ever really want to do. But uh, what was I going to do? So and it, it it had happened that we had seen her doctor the day before. Um, And I had her giant binder of everything that we were doing with her. It was readily available. I said, hey, I'm going to tell you now, Mom has Alzheimer's. This is what's going on with her. Uh, I know you need to go interview her. When you get done, come back, and and I'm sure you're going to want to interview me, too. So we'll sit down and talk about everything we're going to do. Mom was watching a movie in the living room. And... uh, He watched, you know, he interacted with her, talked to her, watched kind of what she was doing. She was happy. Um, You know, Mom's the happy Alzheimer's patient, and she's healthy looking. So he comes back. He goes, okay, so what are you doing? And I said, "Uh, let me guess why you were called. I'm starving Mom to death. I'm screaming at my mom, all these other things. And he goes, well, I I really can't discuss. I'm like, I know, but I know what everybody sees and hears. So Mom's got about 80% hearing loss in one ear and probably 30 to 40 in the other ear. So... I'm Greek I'm loud we're we're all loud um, but I have to speak in a almost a tone like a drill sergeant for mom to to hear the commands clearly um, and I don't mind doing that so for other people looking inside that's oh no you're screaming at this poor little old lady well she can't hear and if she's gonna you know, do something to hurt herself, then she needs to hear. Um, And then the other part was the starving her to death. And I just kind of opened the binder. I'm like, all right, this is yesterday's medical report from the doctor. I can get you a photocopy of that. You can take it back. This is her diet. I opened the freezer and at the time we were still full keto. So I had bought, uh, we were buying uh, large quantities of frozen vegetables. My wife does not like green beans. So I was buying individual vegetables, frozen in small bite-sized portions for mom. And we were making our own vegetable blend that was keeping us within our, our keto macros so to speak for my mom and you, you open this freezer up and it's just stuffed full of you know gallon uh ziploc freezer bags front to back of, front to back of just nothing but vegetables and there's like a bag of of frozen meatballs in there and then you open the fridge down below and there's like three carafts full of, of water and there's, um, you know, meat for that evening and, you know, fresh vegetables that we were going to cook for another meal with mom and, of course, bacon. And, and that's like the only thing he could find that was questionable, he thought. But that's like that's everything mom eats. And it's got I have her meat meal plans, you know, uh, uh, planned out for an entire week at a time. And it's, you know, we, we systematized everything to make it easier for her to eat and for us to manage and what, what we did was we sit, sat down with our own diet and looked at, okay, when we go out to eat, what do we eat? Well, it's, it's maybe two different things per restaurant, and that's it. Like, like we all eat within this kind of weird, narrow band, and we never get really out of our comfort zone. So why shouldn't we systematize breakfast and lunch? And then if we're gonna have a fancy meal, make it dinner and and just change it up a little every couple of days. And that helps make it easier transitioning mom to get healthy. The other thing is when anyone is at that table, we're all together. We all eat together. Nobody eats alone. Nobody is ever alone, Um, specifically mom. She's always with one of us. and, and we normally try and time our meals with mom. So we're all eating together. And that that makes a difference also within the disease. Um, but back to Alberto's question, what, what we're looking at doing is uh, I, I've got an Instagram account. I, I've got some questions I, I'm really discussing with. Uh, a legal counsel as to what I should and shouldn't do just for mom's safety. Because if someone calls adult protective services and they don't agree with what we're doing, or they think we're kind of crazy, because, Hey, here's this grandma who's pretty much a carnivore. Uh, this can't be healthy. I see all kinds of bad things and crazy people doing it. We need to pull her out of that house. We do that. It will undo so much of what we've done. Um, we used to have her in a daycare. She was in a daycare for only a couple of months And just those those two, three days a week would just wreck her metabolically because it's everybody's birthday is is at least once or twice a week. There's cupcakes, there's candy, there's ice cream, there's sugar free syrup on everything and waffles every morning for breakfast. And and I just I can't risk that like a a little kiddo, you put them adult protective or child protective services for a couple of weeks. Hey, everything works out. Hopefully Um, they can bounce back mom i'm not risking and that's our that's our greatest fear is all i care about is protecting mom and chaperoning her to the end we are mom chaperoned through this disease to the end and once uh, we have to say something we want to say something about this my one of my biggest pet peeves about the disease And you hear this from the gatekeepers of knowledge, so to speak, the doctors, the medical professionals, the medical industry uh, that does not that kind of likes to say, you know, your Google research is not better than my medical degree. Well, my research is pretty thorough. JAMA has five different podcasts uh, NCBI has thousands of records, hundreds of thousands of, of medical peer reviewed research online that I can search in an instant. Uh, British medical journal is online. I mean, everybody's online. I can look at it and read it. And if I get to a big word, I don't know what it is. Guess what? I can Google that word and get a definition and learn all about it. Shoot. I could probably wind up on Khan Academy and, and watch a video and learn all about that. Um, so what they normally like to say is, well, if you've seen one Alzheimer's patient, you've seen exactly one Alzheimer's patient. Well, okay. Uh, there's a, a couple of groups. One of them is 125,000 people on Facebook. That is uh, a dementia caregivers group, and you start reading that, and a, it's crushing because what if you ever get curious and you want to go in there and read it, and you start reading about all the problems everybody has the same recurring problems they're all on the same same five to ten medications period we medicate them like they're bipolar schizophrenic uncontrolled you know the the quintessential crazy homeless guy on the corner yelling into the atmosphere for no reason that's how we medicate them and we medicate them hard um and I don't think it's necessary. And the justification is, again, if you've seen one Alzheimer's patient, you've seen one, until you look at 125,000 people who are saying the exact same thing over and over and over and over and over again for, for months and years on these groups. It's, it's the same. Every group you look at is identical. Uh, they're all doing this. They're all having these same issues. And and you get into the doctor's office, and it's just the three of you in there, and the doctor's like, well, you know, that's just you. They write off what you're saying. is, oh, It's just one person. We're all different. No, no, no. We're not all different. We are all bound by the same laws of human biology as everybody else. We're broken differently. We're all the we all have the same rules we have to abide by biologically speaking as a as a kind of a blanket statement but we are all metabolically broken differently especially people with Alzheimer's and dementia who again 85% of them are rolling into it as type 2 diabetics and we're not engaging the type 2 diabetes it's I guess the other thing that's that's really crushing about these Alzheimer's and dementia groups is when you get in there and you hear people talking about their parents and oh yeah like we started throwing this really hardcore uh, uh, antipsychotic drug at mom and and she no longer has outbursts she doesn't do anything more but anymore but sit in a chair and drool on herself but she's not screaming and shouting anymore. The doctor never suggested diet, never suggested changing anything. There, everything gets bribed with ice cream. Ice cream is the magic tool to get a, a type two diabetic alzheimer's patient to do anything it it makes my eyes bleed i have pretty much removed myself from almost all of these groups um one of them i had a a knockdown drag out with somebody in there um and i'm like i'm done and i erased everything i had ever put into that group and i backed out and left and it's one of the largest ones on on uh facebook um and it's because they almost devolve into a death cult of, hey, what stage is your mom in? This is what my mom's doing. Oh, throw this medication at her. And anybody who steps in and goes, hey, there's a better way or there's another way. Nope. you got to shut them down. Uh, I got yelled at by a large group of uh, caregivers that uh, suggesting that salt would help somebody was would, would just kill them instantly. <laughs> It's like, okay, let me get this straight. I looked at your Facebook profile picture and it's you and your mom and she has Alzheimer's and that's horrible, but she's morbidly obese and she's living in your house and she's been, you said she's been there for the last, you know, six years. And, and you're not doing anything about her diet or nutrition. And you're actively telling everybody to, to bribe grandma with ice cream. She's not, she's not a type 2 diabetic because of genetics. She's a type 2 diabetic because you keep buying food to make her a type 2 diabetic and keep her that way. But it's the quality of life proves so much just by getting them metabolically healthy. My mom's a happy camper. I, I saw what she was like going into the disease and in the disease she was not happy miserable and scared if she had been if she had been in a ketogenic state going into the disease she might have been aware she might have been angry but she might have been in a whole lot better place and and nobody wants to even discuss that I, I keep going back to Carrie Brown because her story is so freaking powerful um it just. Seeing that, that the overwhelming majority of people are just not willing to try just crushes me. Um, and I don't, I don't want anyone to die like my parents. Um, and, and that's the other half of my, my story, so to speak. Uh, 2016, my wife went in for a, a regular ladies' well-woman uh, appointment with her doctor. Uh, they found a, an ovarian cyst. Uh, a teratoma cyst on her right ovary the diameter of a softball, and oblong in shape going down her right fallopian tube um, she went in for a day surgery came out everything was great um, that was on a Monday on Friday she was back in the hospital she developed a post-surgical pulmonary embolism on friday uh sunday she bled out for almost 10 hours maybe 12 hours we're not quite sure on the whole time because of everything that was going on it wasn't like i was taking notes um and walked away with that with a traumatic brain injury um the statistical averages and odds of her developing early onset uh, dementia are are now through the roof um she has short-term memory issues there are are sections of her life and vocabulary that just don't exist in her memory more. They may or may not ever return. More than likely, they won't. Um, everything that, that mom uh, got, that we learned with mom, we're now overlapping and applying with my wife. She's, we are super, super lucky. She's on a high-functioning side of this. She is still Mel. Um, she's goofy. She's fun. She's, she's bright and happy. Again, she's uh, ketogenic as well. She leans heavily carnivore as well. Um, but the, when we're done with mom, the fight continues with her to keep her in that state. And, you know, we, we experiment with everything, uh, with, with my wife as well. Uh, we use, you know, things that I can't and won't do with my mom for ethical reasons, um we do with my wife uh, which sounds horrible but but let me explain um you know i, I uh, when you look at the, the benefits of autophagy and fasting um uh, per- particularly when you look at at uh, neuroplasticity and cognitive uh um increase uh and healing um as well as as what fasting can do for the brain uh as far as removing tau and plaque just on its own is amazing um you know, my wife will go three days without eating and she's a ray of sunshine. Um, and, and for all the, all the guys listening that includes when she's on her cycle as well. Um, she is a ray of sunshine and that's not just because she's in here with me, um, but, but sh- her mood is better. Everything is better. She's lighter and brighter. Um, if we, if we slide off the wagon for whatever reason, Oh, it's, she's a wreck and we could see it almost instantly. And unlike mom, she can articulate that. She could tell me how she feels, how, how, how her mood has changed. Um, we use uh, a dry sauna uh, therapy with her. We just got a, um, an infrared uh, uh, dry sauna uh, place here in, in Wichita Falls that we're going to start looking into for her to go to as well a couple of days a week and see how that helps uh, as well. Um, I, I keep on seeing Dr. Saladino talk about uh, juve lights mm-hmm. and thinking that can't, that can't do anything but help mel and and my mom Mm -hmm. um i would love i I would love to you know hey maybe we could do a three-day fast with mom but i just won't do that for ethical reasons i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna say nope we're gonna we're gonna fast for three days mom no food for you just water she would surely get confused by that i would think i you know what it's kind of crazy um she probably wouldn't even notice. Um, I, I kind of have some theories with sleep as well. Uh, there's a couple of inter- interesting papers uh, that other articles I think psychology, did, psychology Today had written about. And I think Dr. Georgia Eads talks about, uh, Ead talks about is that um, sleep, uh, good, solid sleep can help. Uh, remove some of the towels and tangles in, in our lives just on a regular basis. It's, it, it gets back to the importance of sleep. And uh, I, you know, I know when my wife is well-rested, she does better. I know I do better. And I can't help but wonder what you know. three days of fasting and three days of sleep would do for my mom. Um, when, when, when you discover somebody has an AFib event, it's usually, it's a freak out session and you wind up in the hospital for five days, which is what happened to mom. And uh, in that time frame in the hospital, she slept a lot. She was still eating, but she slept a lot. And we didn't we didn't vary her diet. We did not eat any of the hospital food because that's just pure garbage. Um, but we would bring in her meals every day. And uh, we didn't leave the hospital. One of us was always with her. And that was usually me. And my wife would go home, make mom's meal, and then bring it back to the hospital. And uh, it was one of those situations where... When she got home, she actually seemed better. Um, and all she did was for three days straight, eat, sleep, and, you know, when they would let her get up and go to the bathroom. And that was it. And it's just, my mom, a lot of the things you hear with Alzheimer's also is that they don't remember eating. My mom will eat an entire meal. And if it's, a, again, like the 20-ounce bone-in ribeye, if it's a fatty steak, sometimes she'll be super full and she'll push her plate away. And she'll just look at it and go, okay. And that's our sign that she's hit her full spot. Um, And she doesn't talk about eating. She doesn't talk about being hungry. As we know, the satiety hormones and how we feel satiety-wise while eating ketogenic and eating in in, in a ketogenic state, that's that's not something messing with us. And I think there's something to that um, at a a kind of a a sub-psychological level in her brain, subconscious level, where she's like, yeah, I'm full. I don't I'm not hungry. Hey, I'm watching my favorite movie. Uh yeah, this is fun. And she doesn't she never talks about food. Hmm. If you say we're gonna go eat, it's like great, awesome, cool, I get to hang out with you guys some more. And she's happy. But she just like that's that's we'll eat dinner, get her up from the table, take her to the bathroom, take her back to her, her TV spot, or sit down at her activity table and work on an activity. And there's no discussion about food at all. Like she just doesn't talk. Now she'll She'll, uh, sometimes like in the dead of summer when it's super, super dry here in Wichita Falls, she'll kind of look and kind of lick her lips like, okay, we need to get mom some water, but that's about it. It's just, there's so much, (laughs) there's just so much. And, and I just, I think we're engaging the wrong way. And and there's, there's so many more things that, that this plays into that I'm concerned about long-term, not just with, with my family. You know, I, I look at, um, Part of the reason we know what happened with my wife was I was talking to a friend of mine who was military, and she made a comment that after Mel had her MRI and MRA and CT scans and everything, and they they couldn't find anything, we'd done a neuropsych evaluation, and the neuropsych evaluation came back with, she has anxiety issues, she has PTSD-like symptoms, uh, she more than likely has a, a traumatic brain injury. Um, all of the signs in the neuropsych evaluation confirm that there's a traumatic brain injury. And then the doctor's looking at her, her scans and saying, nope, I can't see anything. Let's, let's send you to an endocrinologist and throw some Adderall and a couple of other things at this. And my friend and I were chatting about this, and she said, you're in Dallas. You've got UT Southwest. They're kind of tip of the spear for spec scans and nuclear science for this. About, I think it's something like, uh, it's in the 20 or 30 percentile of, of all of our military veterans who are, are experiencing PTSD, anxiety, have it diagnosed, have traumatic brain injury diagnosed, but their, their scans come back negative for any physical damage. When they're running through these spec scans and PET scans, they're seeing it within the brain. They're seeing the physical damage in the brain. Um, Mel's physical damage is in her hippocampus and her frontal lobe um, these are things you don't want to hear because that's the areas that are affected by uh, Lewy body dementia, frontal temporal dementia hippocampus is almost all of dementia across the board Is she is in a constant state of fight or flight and that hippocampus is just cranked constantly and when you look at our veterans who have suffered uh, traumatic brain injury or even our athletes who have suffered traumatic brain injury Um, I you know I joke with a friend of mine that I played high school football with how many concussions did we go home with after football Uh, because we were both linemen Um, you know it's it's one of those things that that there's a tsunami about to hit as as our veteran community starts to age these these younger guys who lived full contact lives uh, much like my dad did Um, we're going to see that crop up in them we already are with our Vietnam veterans Um, And and obviously our our Korean War veterans as well. And the numbers just kind of get larger and larger. You hear about uh, 22 veterans a day committing suicide. What they don't talk about usually is that's a lot of Vietnam veterans. That's not just the young guys. That's the older guys. And and it's a lot of guys with – the same symptoms and, and cognitive issues that a traumatic brain injury that's leading into Alzheimer's or even worse, Parkinson's, where you, where you have this kind of uh, hallucination of uh, hallucinations that are accompanied with it, as well as, as Lewy body dementia, which is what Robert William, Robin Williams had. You start seeing those hallucinations and that, that change in mood. And, and again, I'm, I'm going to go back to Kerry Brown's story. The way that that our nutrition affects our mindset, how many of those guys could we have saved if they weren't eating the standard, you know, just ETS out of the military. I'm still eating garbage, but I exercise three times a week and I'm still healthy and fit that you can't out exercise that you can't out exercise. No, I tried for years. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and you know some of the guys that uh, gourmet's podcast is phenomenal some of the guys he has on there because they talk about that constantly it's like yeah i exercise constantly but i couldn't i couldn't beat my diet and and it all comes back to that and uh that's just kind of one of those things that that's that's something else that that kind of sits in my mind constantly you know uh Law enforcement, firefighters, those guys, that's a full contact sport, no matter how you cut it. You know? there's, there's guys who get dressed in Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Those guys get dressed every night to go fight. Uh, and, and it's a horrible thing to say, but that's the reality of law enforcement. And, and those guys, what happens after 20, 30 years of law enforcement? You know, how many concussion, concussions do you, do you walk away from uh, in that 20 to 30 year time frame? And, and that's something else that, that concerns me like i just i don't want anyone to go out like my parents um i just don't watching my dad shrivel and waste and just be confused uh it's just it's horrible man wow so much uh, and and
1: we've been <laughs> we've been commenting in our in our group chat that we have between the three of us hosts that this is just such good information but the story behind it is i hope extremely impactful on a lot of people because uh, for those people who are looking down the barrel, or currently in a, a, a caretaking situation for someone who has a neurodegenerative de- neurodegenerative condition like Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, or brain damage, what you're saying is that there's hope that it doesn't have to get the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. mansclub.com. you can also follow us on instagram at keto man's club podcast Nine- Alle- <Rolls> to <tongue> lastly if cop- you have any comments or questions feel free to reach out via email to keto man's club podcast at gmail.com thank you again for joining us today and we look forward to hanging out with you again next week